Welcome all you good movie buddies to another Popcorn Diet Franchise Refills episode. This series of Franchise Refills is focusing on the Fast Saga. That's right. Franchise Refills as a series in general allows us to take a look back uh, at entries in a franchise, typically in anticipation for a new entry of that franchise and... We're kind of doing that with the Fast Saga. Obviously, with the delay of F9, you know, it's not something that is going to be released right away. But, I mean, if we're being completely honest, this franchise refill series is also being fueled by the coronavirus. So that's what we're doing. And the idea is that there is going to be spoilers for the older movies. uh, But anything that we mention or talk about F9 is purely going to be speculation. It's just going to be us guessing and theorizing and making up wild, crazy details. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us, as usual, is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing? I'm doing great, brah. You doing, you doing good, cuz? Gosh, there's a lot. I, can't, I cannot keep that bit up. <laughs> For the entire <laughs> podcast, it feels weird for me to say. You those can just words. shorten it to bruh. To bruh. Bruh. There's so. Kuh. There's so much happening in the fa- in too fast. I'm gonna have to really adjust myself there. In too fast, too furious. Golden title. One of one of one of the great titles. It's out an there. incredible title. To be to be sure, it's in, an incredible title. It goes along the lines of this franchise having some of the best titles refusing to just go with anything the second the third the fourth the fifth to have any type of continuity throwing all throwing in the face of grammar and all those types of things we like to just keep everybody on their toes there isn't a single piece of continuity in this in the list of names for this franchise it's the fast and the furious and then too fast too furious and then the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. And then Fast and Furious. And then Fast Five. And then Fast and Furious Six, which like seems to me would have been the default go-to model for what to name these movies. But then Furious Seven, then The Fate of the Furious, and then Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And then F9. It's, I love it. It's nonsense. I love it. It's they should retitle. The third one to be Fast and Furious presents Tokyo Drift. Like that's feels like it would make sense. But we'll talk about that when we get to Tokyo no, Drift. I don't want that. This is all this is all about Too Fast, Too Furious. And boy, David, this movie. I'm gonna just go on record right now as saying that this is not the best movie in the franchise. How dare you? It's not great. It's not a great movie. But it is a great movie. Like it is objectively lesser in almost every way but it's still a phenomenal film so what happens in this movie uh this movie picks up after the events of the original the fast and the furious after brian has uh, apparently given up the badge no longer not only no longer a cop but also a wanted fugitive for aiding and abetting uh dominic toretto letting him go letting all of that stuff happen basically he's in miami And he's a well-known street racer now. And after a first race that shockingly 
has strategy lifted from one of my favorite movies, Heavyweights, in it. Um, I'll get to, I'll tell you about that, David. Trust me, it tracks. Uh, he's he's brought in again by the Fuzz to help work an undercover case against <laughs> against Carter Verone, who is a Argentinian-born Miami drug kingpin, played by Cole Hauser, who I think is maybe one of the whitest guys in the world. I'm not entirely sure. And then it's basically a dance. It's basically uh, he he is originally going supposed to go undercover with another FBI agent and that FBI agent is just square as hell. So he says, if I'm going to do this, I need to get my own guy. And you think it almost fits that it could be Vin Diesel. I got to find Dom. We got to bring him in. He's the only guy I trust, but it's not. Instead, it's his childhood friend, his childhood buddy, your friend and mine, Roman Pierce, played by Tyrese Gibson, who's just an absolute delight. Roman hates Brian because Roman was thrown in jail for three years and found out Brian was a cop and thinks Brian has something to do with it. And eventually they they get the support of the cops. They have to audition to be essentially couriers for Carter Verone. There's a lot of racing involved. There's a lot of crashing involved. It's pretty much a straightforward, as you said it, David, I think it's a straightforward just buddy cop movie, yep. even though they're not cops. Um, and you have your atypical moments where the undercover uh, Eva Mendez, phenomenal Eva Mendez in this movie. <laughs> oh, she's too close. She's too close to Carter. She's in too deep. And then, of course, Brian's flirting with her, and Carter don't like that. And then, of course, Carter has, you know, the he's got police on the payroll, and you gotta you gotta have a torture scene as always. He's got the henchmen. You got all the different henchmen. You got the Eli Elian and Fidel, which is not there's there's a lot of things Tyrese does in this movie that might not be the most culturally uh, like sensitive. Fonzie and uh, Fabio. <laughs> Fonzie, Fabio. Yep. Um, using certain Spanish words that I don't think are very uh, are very nice to That's say. Right. Um, he's I from Barstow. Not, I'm not going to re be repeating anything. Yeah, he's from Barstow. Ultimately, this culminates in the final job where they got to transport uh, a boatload of Carter Verone's cash, and it leads to just an all-out race between them and the cops, and then. The, the scattering of cars uh, leading to the final Dukes of Hazard jump from, from, from a pier onto the boat. You know, mm -hmm. everybody gets away clean. It's not a very deep movie. You know, even the first movie had, had really interesting things to say about, you know, f about family and about community and about uh, uh, trauma even. And this movie doesn't have a lot of that. Um, but it's a sequel, clearly. Um, so how does this tie, David, how would you say this ties back into some of the previous movies? Obviously, there's only one previous movie to tie back to. Yeah. Well, I think as far as tie-in, we did get a, and a lot of people may not know this, but on the bonus features back when they had those of DVDs, which wow. were amazing, and yeah. people like you and I mostly geeked Blu out about them. Blu-rays still have them, and even digital ones still have them now, too. But I know, but do people really it's dig into the them? Same. No, it's not, it's not the, the same. same. 
when you used to have to flip over the disc to get the bonus features. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Anyways, so there was a bonus feature in there, the turbocharged prequel the, to this film. The turbocharged prelude? Prelude, which yeah. basically followed Brian from the moment he let Dom go, and we go through some cutscenes. There's no words in any of it. There's no, no dialogue. Words. Um, and it's basically him driving across the country mm-hmm. and ending up in Miami. So that basically lets us know how he got to Miami as well as how he got his skyline that he's driving in the beginning of this film. I just the, the thing about the prelude, there is a shot where he's driving and he comes across a sign that says New York or Miami. And I, it's amazing. There is no sign like that that exists. It's in amazing. The world. You don't know that for sure. <laughs> Anyways. So. Where does this fit in? First off, as far as this movie, I feel like it's a classic take of a sequel more than any of the other films from the standpoint of I feel like it really attempts to take the recipe of the first and force it onto the second. It is an 80s, 90s even, style even, even though they may have not gotten all the characters back and all of that, they try to force it because you have the... You know, street style racing. Mm-hmm. We get all the, you know, groupy girls around the cars, just like we the get, first we one. Get way more this we time. We get, you know, the hip hop music and the music starts us off just like the first one in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. We get the NOS. We get the racing. We get all of that that was present in the first one. We get the crime the crime aspect of it with the driving. The, Not just street racing crime, but like real crime. Real crime. Absolutely. We get. The undercover aspect of it, just mm-hmm. like we had in the first one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a little different scenario. Brian's not an actual cop. He's just pulled in and working for the cops in this one. But right. Eva Mendez is an undercover cop. And so we get that aspect of it in again. Um, so I feel like it tries to return to a lot of the same things. Right. Just when you lose all your characters except for two, and one of them being a pretty minor character. Yeah. In Bilkins. I don't think anybody gave a shit about Bilkins. It's it's pretty tough to have the quality that you had Replicate in the first. that magic. Yeah. And, and to their credit, after this film, they kind of stopped trying to do that. Tokyo Drift, I would say, returns back to kind of what the first one does, but it doesn't have any of the same characters, really. Right. And then, of, the pr- of the previous two. Of the previous two. And then when you get to the fourth and beyond, it is completely void of really trying to be a racing movie anymore and it's more about the crew the characters and all those people so but regardless as far as how this fits in it's really just telling the, in my opinion the after story of of brian right and how we got to where we're at with brian and the thing is is people talk about how vin diesel gave this up to go or gave this up to do triple x him and uh rob cohen yep decided to do triple X instead of doing a sequel. Yep. And we ended up with, and you'll go into who was involved. Yeah. Um, but we ended up with the director from boys in the hood, John Singleton, John Singleton doing Academy this Academy award nominated, acclaimed director, but John if, Singleton. But if you think about it, I don't really know that. Okay. I think it's, there's a couple reasons. I think it was good whether or not you think this is a good movie, but it was good that we got what we got. One, it gave us Ludacris. It gave who, us Tej. It gave us Tej, and it also gave us Roman, yes. who are still in the crew today. In hindsight, it is more important than when it came out. And 
I honestly don't think Vin Diesel could have been the Roman character. It would have been a completely different movie. It would of not course. have it would not have been a buddy cop movie. No. I don't I don't know that I I think I would not have enjoyed the Vin Diesel version of this film with with the story as it is. Maybe not. As much as I enjoyed the Tyrese one because this one's just straight up funny. It's just funny. It's it's literally a buddy cop movie. Right. Like even though they're not cops. Right. It's it's humor, it's gags, it doesn't take itself seriously. Like even in the midst of trying to do the important thing of working for a very dangerous drug dealer, Brian O'Connor is driving backwards on the freeway flipping off right. Roman <laughs> Like what are and we doing? So, it's it's not taking itself seriously. It's not trying to be realistic. It's not trying to have realistic racing like what we had in the first, the first movie right. or what we get in Tokyo Drift. And right. so I appreciate it for what it is. Is it great? That can be debated, but I enjoy it. <laughs> it certainly can be debated. And listen, you, it's a good point. Like it's it was. Let's be completely honest here. This movie is is not really aiming for much higher than. A, a different episode of Miami Vice like that. There's not there's just not a lot of depth going on here. OK, and that's fine. That's fine because Tyrese is I, I you know, you you had looked in some to some of the reviews and we'll talk about that. But to kind of talk about the people involved, you know. Tyrese is is a is kind of a force of nature, you know. He's just a really high energy, smart ass kind of character. Roman is, and and it plays off really well. And and bringing all of these new characters to interact with Brian, you know, at the very least, like I gotta give him credit. Like they didn't surround Brian with a bunch of new white people either. You know, um, you had all of. I mean, you obviously you had Roman and Tej, which are hugely important just to the general furious saga in general yep. you know overall but you also had you know eva mendez you had uh suki devon aoki you had even um and we'll talk about them a little bit more but even the first race has guys like michael ely and uh amari nolasco in him and those guys are like n- name people they <laughs> have been leads in their own respective movies and i was actually kind of surprised to be like oh i know that guy i know that guy yeah um so i appreciated that but the craziest thing was that they brought in um john singleton to direct because this does not like when you look at boys in the hood and when you look at baby boy which also had tyrese in it yeah you you wouldn't think that this is the the fast and furious movie john singleton would have made yeah you know, so that's kind of weird. It was also written by a different crew. It was written by um, primarily it was characters and, and stuff by Gary Scott Thompson, but it was written by Michael Brent and Derek Haas. And there's they don't have a ton of credits to their name, but they did write Wanted with Angelina Jolie and James McAvoy, which I actually really like Wanted. And they wrote a personal favorite of yours and mine, 310 to Yuma, which... Yeah. Credit where credit's due. That's a hell of a movie. Why can't we get Ben Foster in the Fast and the Furious? Oh my God, that's this would it would take a turn. <laughs> it would be like, do you want your psychologically like intense Fast and Furious? Needs to be a henchman in one of these movies. <laughs> so the people involved again, you know, you you weren't able to get the script that that you wanted to. 
uh, there were a couple of things that, that I was reading. Number one is that they commissioned a script with and without Vin Diesel. So there was two scripts commissioned, one for Vin, one without Vin. Um, one of the reasons that was reported, as you said, was that Vin and Rob Cohen went and decided they basically Vin wanted to decide which franchise am I going to do. And he went with Triple X. Life doesn't give many people second chances. No. Or it doesn't give many people the opportunity to course correct. But it certainly gave Vin Diesel the opportunity to course correct after that decision. The other reason that I, I heard um, that – not that I heard. It's it's listed. The other reason that you can find online that Vin passed this up was that it, it didn't really do anything to further the narrative. Much, much like what you said, Vin didn't care for it, care for the idea – because it just seemed more like the continuing adventures of. It just seemed we're going to take these characters and we're going to put them in a new, unrelated situation. And he didn't like that. He wanted to, very clearly, as we have found out now, wanted to continue the narrative and build the narrative and build this long, expanding saga. And that's not what this movie is. You know, not when it came out. Like, again, in hindsight, I think you're right. It, it does serve as a kind of an important piece to show what what Brian was doing in the direct aftermath of that and how he was dealing with his life and how he went from this cop to even deeper into the into the racing um world if you will but um like we said this is not the greatest movie in the world in hindsight um what was the reception like back in when did it come out 2003 Back in 2000, that's, wow, 2003, damn. Well, first off, on the box office, it made $127 million domestically. Okay. $236 million worldwide. So despite, and we'll get into the critical review, but what you and I have shared, despite this maybe being a slight step down uh -huh. or a large step down, depending on who you talk to mm -hmm. from the first one, it still continued to produce more. Uh, Budget-wise, they doubled the budget, so it was 76. I think the first was like 36 or 38 yeah. million. So they doubled the budget, um, but they also made not quite double, but about 100 million more than mm -hmm. the first one. Um, one really random tangent for the whole Vin Diesel Triple X story: Triple uh, X ended up having a budget of 70 million, so about the same, but it made 267 million uh, worldwide. Okay. So it ended up doing pretty well, um, but then after that, those Triple X movies really fell and off. And then he so, didn't want to do the second one, so we brought so he on Ice smart. Cube. And he then was he smart. Did the, did the third one, and it made a bunch of money. Other movies that came out that year were movies like Return of the King, Finding Nemo, the last two Matrix sequels, Pirates, the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. One of my favorite movies of all time, Bad Boys 2. Yep. X2, many consider to be one of the best comic book movies of all time. So to put it into context, that's where we were. But we also got movies like Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Yep. So it was, an, it was an interesting time. I think you really started to start seeing the shift in quality of movies right in this area. But, but from a critical standpoint, oh not, great. not great. Not uh, great. Not great. It was 36% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes Ooh. and 50% from the audience. So we talked Ooh. about in the previous one how... I think it was in the 50s from a critical 
and but the audience liked it and it was uh, fairly well rated from audience. Yeah. That also, according to the numbers on Rotten Tomatoes, says 32 million people reviewed Too Fast, Too Furious. And that's hilarious that it's at 50 percent, like 32 million people decided to chime in and be like, it's not that great. And put it in perspective, if you haven't listened to the first one. Only a million people reviewed The, the Fast one. and the Furious, and 32 million people came on to review that. So What's maybe, the over-under on Tokyo Drift reviews? <laughs> maybe that uh, explains that more people will go out of their way to review something when they dislike it versus when they like it. Yeah, it's like Yelp reviews. Exactly. So anyways, uh, the couple of couple of uh, critical uh, responses. There was one in particular, and it's not from like a big site. It was one of the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers, um, but it was it was too good not to pick out in regards to it. Uh, it was Oz from eFilmCritic.com. Oh boy. So probably someone everybody's heard of. But his, his synopsis for it was <laughs> a film for 14-year-olds who buy their pants three sizes too big. Also dates itself to back when buying oversized clothes was was in style now it's undersized clothing um but he also and if you want to read a very comical and very inappropriate review you can look up this review and read it (laughs) but i'll i'll pick an excerpt that is is relatively tame from it although could be definitely interpreted as offensive okay goes i'd go as so far to say that if you really like this film you have a career working in fast food to look forward to get it fast food brutal ouch just absolute savage not nice to plenty of great people working fast there were a lot of reviews that we read for this movie that were very angry old man funny enough speaking of old men roger ebert fan of the movie yeah said it didn't have a brain but at the same time, he gave it three or four stars and said it was very much fast and furious. It knows what it is. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing better than a movie that Love knows it. what it is. Love it. Love it, Roger. Not many awards either. Two Razzie nominations. Couldn't even win those. Yeah, it got uh, it got nominated for Worst Remake or Sequel. Uh-huh. And it as lost well as full Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. As well as Worst Excuse for a Movie. And I'm not even sure that category still exists. I don't know that it does either, but... Uh, Regardless, it might be it may have been replaced by worse picture. Maybe. But uh, anyways. So, yes. So those were the only ones despite. And, and I would also say this movie shifted to doing a decent amount of its car scenes with CGI. And so that may have been why I also think a lot of times even the Taurus Taurus Awards won't put a really terrible movie. Right. Like you've got to be a minimum of quality. To get into the tourist. Right. We're not just going to reward you for stunts if your movie was really, really bad. Exactly. That was my thing, was that there are a lot of those cut-in sequences that are clearly like green screen, that, CG. That being said, and and I don't know where... Well, I'll, we'll probably talk about this more, but the skyline that he drove, mm-hmm. they actually did jump it off the bridge. because I they, read that. So uh, while a lot of it was CGI'd, for, especially in that first race... They did actually jump some of those cars off the bridge. Yeah, they so. did a lot of real stunts in this movie. What's funny is that another thing that they do is there's it, it feels like there's a couple of edits in this movie where they cut just like and they leave like a second or two of extra footage too long. So like, for example, when Roman puts the brick in the SUV to crash into the cars, the, the, the cop cars in the mobile home 
um, mobile park. You remember that? Mm -hmm. I feel like it cuts to the cop cars just one or two seconds too early because they clearly don't have momentum. They clearly – it's like, all right, action, and then they accelerate, and it just feels like it just – you could have shaved one second the, off of that cut. There's not going to be any awards for the editing in this film. No. Same thing when the car jumps onto the boat. There's a really good stunt where they jump the car. Yeah. Then it cuts to a very bad CGI wide shot. Yeah. And then it cuts to a very bad CGI close-up. And then it cuts to the car already Actually clearly on wedged <laughs> on the boat, but they set off like the debris. Yeah, yeah. And it's like maybe we could have edited that together a little bit better. It's not tough the, look. It's tough not look. the best. Um, was there now the first film we, we argued the Fast and Furious had a, a significant amount of cultural impact in terms of the soundtrack, in terms of racing in general, the music, those types of things. Is there anything that we can pull from from Too Fast, Too Furious in terms of cult lasting cultural impact beyond just introducing? I think the biggest I think we already said it. You said it. The first one, which is it introduces Roman and Tej. Yeah, I think I think that would be I think the other thing that I would argue with it and and maybe, you know, no one would know except the studio executives. But again, for all the bad stuff we've talked about with this film, it still made more money than its predecessor. Yeah. And was a by all means profitable film. And to me, if you know you didn't have your best, you didn't have your returning characters, it has plenty of issues in the film itself. You wouldn't call this your best effort. Right. And yet it still did really well. I mean, to me at this point, you knew this could be a franchise. And I don't think they necessarily approached that yet. Sure. But if, if you can make a good amount of money off of the budget and the quality of film that this one was, to me, this movie kind of cemented that we were going to get more and more fast movies yeah it it, it was an overall w because there's plenty the... of franchises where you do two and it's done sure because the second's not great like this one right and you're done and we're not gonna do but usually that's because it doesn't make any money. money so um other than that i mean ludicrous was already big at this yep. point tyrese um, had been a model and a hip-hop artist yeah i mean this was pretty early on for him acting but again one could argue that he doesn't really have an acting career outside of the fast and the furious movies so yeah and the first three transformers movies. <laughs> that's true but again he doesn't have he doesn't have much of an acting There's career so it's not yeah. like tyrese is some like amazing actor that this birthed no. out of no this film so he's gonna be in the morbius movie with jared leto okay that, that'll be weird yeah that'll be weird all right <laughs> jared leto and tyrese like that movie wasn't weird already nope we'll put tyrese in it all right um all right david that takes us to the refill categories and as we had mentioned before uh in the previous episode we'll mention every episode each individual series has their own refill categories that are Specifically tailored, specifically designed to refer to the specific items that this franchise itself has. What's what's the best word? Bestowed upon us. Um, uh, so we have ten questions, ten refill categories to go through. The first one is this is a franchise about street racing. So we have to ask, was there a race in this movie? Yes, there was. There was, two, there was two, two, two main three. races. I would say three. I would say the first race, 
the audition race sure. and then the muscle okay. the American yep, yep, muscle okay. race. I can go with that. That would be our three. So there were races, which is good, you know, when the movie when the movie franchise is set around street racing, you're gonna want street racing. There's involved. a ton of races if you count the uh the prequel. Yes. Into this. Lots of prelude. race lots of racing in the pre- lots of brief cuts yes. of uh, Cars, who, which are presumably racing. Shout out to the Arizona Diamondbacks who get their jersey. Stops in Phoenix. In the stop in Phoenix. Stop in Phoenix. Brian O'Connor had a, Brian Brian Earl Spillner had an Arizona. Also dates license. it because it's the sweet teal and black uniforms. Is it the old too. school yeah, yeah, ones? Yeah. Those were great uniforms. So that's what I have. Is I have those three races. I have the three the first race, which seems to put a lot of danger on the drivers for no real discernible reason. <laughs> Uh, the He's race, a showman. Like, Tej Jesus, is a showman. Tej? These are your <laughs> friends. These are people you know. Damn. Um, the audition race where Carter Verone sends everybody off to go get his special package. And then the race with the uh, with Fonzie and Fabio for the American Muscle Cars. Yep. So what would you say is uh, is the best race or your favorite race or both? You know, as much as I love Brian flipping into reverse while they're auditioning for a job. It's true. And flipping off yep. Roman and Little, saying, how do you like these apples? You want to talk about showmanship. How do you like them apples? A lot of apples. <laughs> lot of, lot of Goodwill hunting yeah. quotes from Brian Abso- O'Connor. Absolutely. As much as I love that, and as much as I think the opening race is, is fun and exciting, it's fun to see uh, Brian kind of in that dom Dom role of the like savvy veteran, right? Oh, knowing knowing not to hit the nos too soon, Uh being patient, being the smart driver out there. Uh, As much as I enjoy that, I enjoy the whether it's a realistic thing that any drivers would actually do in a race, whether there's any kind of concept of tag team race around a barrel type of racing. I, I enjoyed it. I was here for it. You're here for the muscle, the American muscle car race. I'm going to go with the audition race because the audition race, when they're auditioning for Carter Verone, has the most amount of vehicular carnage in the film, which I appreciate. I, I appreciate the the first movie didn't have that many car crashes. It had the them blowing up the um, eclipse and the final crash at the end, if I'm not mistaken. Was there any other crashes in the first movie? Like... The whole idea was not to crash, right? There's uh, there's some of the civics crash when they're oh, that's uh, true when they're with doing the, the heist. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. Heist, yeah, this movie there are a lot of car accidents. There, there are, and I am mostly here for it. mostly Miami Police Crown Vicks. Mostly crappy Miami who Police are Crown are really Vicks. terrible at driving in this movie. But also like this, the audition race destroys a BMW, destroys a Mustang. There's a Viper in there. Mm-hmm. Like there are some nice cars that get wrecked they do and i and i just enjoy it like you, that's that feels like it has the most energy yeah, if you go on the fast and the furious fandom page they struggled they because one of the things they do for each of the movies is list out all the cars they actually kind of struggled getting all the cars in this one because there's so many different cars there's a lot uh like they miss the uh the dodge charger mm-hmm. which is one of the two muscle cars the uh the hemi dodge charger mm-hmm and they miss the Camaro, or they do have the Camaro. They got in the there. Camaro. They have the Camaro listed there. But then you could also count when they do the scramble towards the end. There's there's a lot of cars. There's in a there. lot so of cars and trucks. Dif- difficult to list out all of those, but 
Uh, you do get quite the diverse where in the first one they were all kind of the same import right hondas toyotas Mm -hmm. you know all kind of the same type of cars just different coloring and Mm -hmm. different you know aspects of them different lights tires ferrari in the one scene yeah this one you know you can feel the uh the double in budget here we we had more cars to get our hands on too as well as we had the liberty to destroy more cars in this true and they did like again and we'll talk about the cars in a little bit but the that orange cha- challenge, I think it's a challenger, but I could be wrong. Um, it's just rad. Like, that's that's a rad car. Um, all right. That one's the, uh, I think that one's the Camaro. Is that one the Camaro? I think the blue one's the Camaro. Oh, maybe. No, you're right. That one's the Hemi, uh, that one's the Hemi challenger. Gotcha, Anyways. gotcha. Okay, second category. Best soundtrack use. This one, again, not a ton here. I had two. Yeah, I, think I had really only two songs. In I had at the beginning and at the end. Well, not really at the end, but number one, the the two fat, the two fast act fool in the uh, opening first race. All of that getting into the culture again. Too fast, too furious. I'm too fast for y'all. Oh, just came home from doing a bid. Tell me what you gonna do? Act a fool. Somebody and then pump it up, pump, pump it up. Not only during the montage where they're fixing up the American yep. muscle classics, but also the end credits as well. That's what I have. Is there anything else or is it just No, those two? it's mostly just random techno dance it's not, music. It's not great. The, the soundtrack. They, they do great. get away from there is no metal. They fully I think the first movie is really the only one that puts, you know, some some harder rock metal type of music in it. Once once we get past that first one, we pretty much are all hip hop from this. Oh, point David, forward. I've already started watching Tokyo Drift, and I assure you, there is still some left. There's still some. Yes. Oh yeah, I guess Lucas Black and uh, yes, and his kids. There's some probably, hillbilly rock. Probably listen to some hillbilly There's rock some before hillbilly we get rock. to uh, <laughs> to uh, Tokyo. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's out of those two? It's it's the intro for me. It's the it's the title song, the Too Fast, Too, fast, too, furious. too furious. We get we get to see Brian's back, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. We get the introduction of Brian O'Connor as a outlaw street racer. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I think I think that one again gets a lot of play at weddings too. Act a fool. You hear you hear act a fool a little bit more. Then you might hear pump it up. I think you hear pump it up more in, in the in the sporting arenas now. Maybe, maybe. Um, all right. Best vehicle. I have five listed here. Clearly, okay. as you said, there are more. There's a ton. Um, but I had five. Okay. I had Brian's 99, 99 Nissan Skyline. That's mm-hmm. a silver and blue one. I had the yellow Mitsubishi Lancer uh, 7. That's a 2002 Lancer. I have Roman's Mitsubishi Eclipse Spider GTS, purple convertible. Mm-hmm. And then I have the orange 1970 Dodge Challenger RT and then the blue 1969 Yanko Camaro, uh, the, the classic American muscles. Those are the ones that are on my list. Do you feel like there are any more that warrant mention? Did you, did you get Brian's, uh, the green Evo, the Lancer Evo? The Lancer, yeah. I just called it, yeah. I okay. think it's yellow or gold or greenish yeah, like or that. whatever. But yeah, that's the that's the Lancer Evo. Like I said, there's some fantastic cars in there that don't really get a whole lot of run. There are a lot. Like, 
you know, there's a Viper in there. There's there's a couple Ferraris in there uh-huh. that uh, that Carter has, but they don't the really Viper, play. They don't was, really play a a role in the movie. So I feel like we got to throw those out. Okay. Um, I would have voted for the Viper had the Viper not been yellow. A yellow Viper yeah. is the worst. A yeah, Viper yeah. should be red or black. Vipers were my favorite car when I was a kid. I was like, that's the car. That's a cool car. But yellow to, is just ugh. to me. It really comes down to either the Hemi Challenger uh, or that Roman drives that he wins off of uh, Fabio there, uh-huh. or Brian Skyline. The Skyline's so good, it's so fun in the here's, beginning. Here's another fun fact: all of the pre, all of the other cars in that first race were cars from the previous movie. Um, Orange Julius races Dom's. Um, I think it's his RX Seven. Uh, Slapjack races the Supra, and Suki drives um, Johnny Tran's uh, S2000. But they're all different, obviously, colored. Well, another fun fact about this movie is that uh, Paul Walker supposedly handpicked every car that was in this movie. I believe it. Handpicked every single car. And we already mentioned it, but the Skyline was his actual... Was his car. His car. Yeah. So that was was Brian's. And so uh, I... I, I got to go with that one okay. in, in memory of Paul Walker and, and his car. Um, but it's it's a if if I wanted to drive one of them, it would be the the Orange Challenger. Well, as somebody who owns a Dodge Challenger, I am going <laughs> to pick the Dodge Challenger. Shocker. I just love when when the Dodge Challenger and Roman's Eclipse are next to each other and he's revving it and it's got that really high pitched kind of rev to the it. Hemi, yeah. And then Fabio just just revs that engine and the whole car shakes like a monster. Yeah. And that's one of my, like, that's like, oh shit. That's why you bought a challenge. That's why <laughs> maybe, maybe, it's a white, mine is a white one. It's true. But, but I'm going to go with Tammy the, with the Dodge Challenger. Good old Tammy three sitting out there. Um, I love her with my whole heart. All right. Uh, next category, coolest car stunt and or feet. I have seven nominees. All right. Let's hear them. Um, number one, I have the bridge jump in the first race, which I am dubbing the heavyweights maneuver because in the movie heavyweights, that film ends with a go-kart race. Okay. Do you remember this? Yeah. And it ends with the bad go-kart being in front of the good go-kart, but then the good go-kart goes up a ramp and has a, I think a boat propeller to propel it over the bad go-kart and the finish line so he okay. literally jumps over the yep, car yep. and that's exactly what brian o'connor does in this movie he pretty j- much he jumps over um uh slapjack i think it is mm-hmm. to win to win the race but i'm gonna put that one in there especially honorable mention as as we both said they did that despite the fact that it looks like crap in the movie like they did that jump for real um the next one i have is demolition derby there's not really a ton of like gigantic stunts involved, but there's several like low key small good car bits. Yeah. With the demolition derby in Barstow, uh, I got the stare and drive. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, gotta put, put the stare there. and drive in there when when he did Brian's, the stare and drive, didn't he? He got that from me. And again, is that feat uh, possible because of good editing? Sure, but. As a feat, it's impressive. Sure. So in the movie, it's impressive. Um, the During the audition race, I had to put this in here. The Mustang getting run over by the 18-wheeler. Okay. It's yeah. just an incredible stunt. 
Yeah. It's, and then that looks great. It's a practical effect. Guy is absolutely dead, too. Oh, 1,000% <laughs> that guy is dead. Like, there's no question his car is obliterated. Um, I'm going to have also when he, as you said, when he reverses, you've mentioned it a couple times when he throws it into reverse mm-hmm. and drives in reverse while flipping him off while doing that audition race. Yep. So got to put that re- the reverse at high speed. And then the last two is I have the scatter scene. Which is kind of like the iconic scene where yeah, they yeah, throw yeah. open the garage doors and yep. you get the gigantic muscle trucks. Which yep. it's almost like when you introduce a new dinosaur in a Jurassic Park movie. Like we get a new version of a car. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in this, it's the giant muscle trucks that just yep. mow through the cop cars. And then you have so many different cars scattering. And that's pretty impressive. And then the last one is the Dukes of Hazard jump. Absolutely. Which they did do practically. They didn't. They jumped that car. They didn't jump the car onto the boat. boat but they jumped it off. But the they ramp. jumped it off yeah. that ramp. That's a that's an impressive jump. So those are my those are the seven that I have. Is there any that you think you could throw in there? I don't think so. I I will say it wasn't really a feat, but I I enjoyed the ingenuity of it with the uh, ejector seats added okay. to the muscle cars. Okay. So obviously we only see one of the two executed, but uh, I enjoyed. You know, the concept of blowing off the door and, and shooting him out. I thought it was a, a creative way to uh, lose someone that's a passenger. And that it was you. a sideways ejected yeah, seat. It wasn't like, a we, you weren't trying to sell us that you could somehow create enough propulsion to right. blow Launch them <laughs> out that way. <laughs> right. so, blow them upwards. Exactly. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Uh, but no, I think you covered all the others. So what's your favorite? I might go with the uh, I might go with the heavyweights. The uh, <laughs> the bridge jump. I, I mean, it's a good, it's a good bit. That whole race is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also differentiates it, us from the first movie in that it's a, a it, it's a street race. It's not a quarter mile race. Yeah. So that's different as well. I've already made my love for vehicular manslaughter and destruction known, so I'm gonna go with the Mustang getting run over by the 18 wheeler. I just remember that being like. There you go. A really good stunt. Like, it was clearly rigged. The 18-wheeler was clearly rigged to, to run this thing over. Sure. But it was just a well-executed stunt and gimmick, and yeah, I appreciate it. I agree. All right. This one's not very long, this next category, Best Words of Wisdom. I think this these next few categories are, are really They're going to go quick. They're really hurt by no Vin Diesel here. I only have three nominations here. The first one is when Paul gets up in Roman's face and says, you need to stop blaming me for every mistake. Just think of it this way. It's, a, it's an opportunity for a fresh start. Now, let's just go do this, all right? I wouldn't need a fresh start if it wasn't for you. Man, you've been using that since the day you got busted. Now, let's just chill out and go do this. I don't need to chill out. Yes, you do. And you need to stop blaming me for your every mistake. And Roman Pierce needs to start taking responsibility for his own actions. You need to go to hell. And you need to go back to Barstow. I'm not going back to Barstow. Like that whole exchange is, is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, when uh, Carter Verone is torturing uh, poor Bobby Singer or Bobby from uh, from Sons of Anarchy, yep. and he's telling him about the rat, and he's just giving him a little bit of. Did you know a rat can chew through a lead pipe? Did you Did you know what you see? You steel don't need pipe to, or uh, something steel, like that. Yeah, yeah. steel pipe. Um, he says, now, when the rat's screaming, you don't need to worry about it. But it's when it gets quiet. That's when it starts worrying. Like, yeah. that's, again, low-key, subtle, not yeah. really a words of wisdom per se, but an educational. Educational experience. An educational experience from Carter Verone. And then the last one, 
which I think is the winner. I'm just going to spoil it right now. But it's when Brian and Roman have the heart to heart. Like, when did you start eating so much? And he said, I was in jail, in jail bro. I know how shitty the grub is on the inside. <laughs> With the way things are shaping up out here right now, it'll be a matter of time before I'm back in there or dead. So I'm trying to eat all I can while I can. Plus, the doctor tell me I got a high metabolism. <laughs> I like it. And then Brian, so it's, it's more of a heart-to-heart, back-and-forth conversation where Brian talks about letting Dom go and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's my pick for best words of wisdom because it just it makes sense, you know, and it's our two main characters actually having a moment where they're sharing their perspective with one another. So that's what I'm going with. What about you? I'm going with you need to start taking responsibility <laughs> for your actions, Rick. I do. It's true. You're right. I do. I do. Um, All right. Best quote. I have a lot here and I don't want to. I'm going to list like a few. Okay. And I'm going to let you have some because I'm pretty sure you and I are on the same page on this. Let's hear him. Um, You still fight like shit. You still (laughs) fight like shit, bro. (laughs) Just just a great low key insult. Um, the, and you, and you need to go to hell. Like is the way he layers it in there is fantastic. Um, you might want to keep your eyes on the road, playboy. I enjoy very much. And then I'll leave, I'll leave some of the best ones for you. But my last two are, you think I'm gonna let somebody stare me down? I ain't let nobody stare me down in jail, homeboy. You think I'm gonna let it fly on a beach? And then my last one is real funny Fonzie ass <laughs> just just calling most, somebody most of the quotes are going to uh to roman just in, in calling this. somebody well i can't what's brian's how you like them apples like i saw goodwill hunting too dude but um i love the idea of just being like ass like i it's a great insult to me but clearly there are more there are and and if i miss any i i have a couple others i had most of the ones that you had listed but I've got uh, the, hey, you got any food in there? We hungry. We hungry. I like and, it. And then uh, obviously tying, just going to the other end of that is uh, is at the end when we get uh, Brian go, pockets ain't empty, bruh. Yep. Pockets ain't empty, cuz. <laughs> and we ain't hungry no more either, bruh. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so good. So good. Is that it? Is that all you got? I think so. I got one last one, and it's when they walk into the club, and when they're like, it's a oasis in here, man. <laughs> lots of talent. Lots of, lots of potential. And it's just like, this movie is so much of these two guys just broing down and broing down very hard throughout the entire film. I think we also have, uh, you got Luda talking to Suki in the beginning, and he says, when you, when you, gonna, pop when, that clutch? When you gonna let me pop that clutch? And when you get says, the right tools. you get the right tools. <laughs> But then, like, they're an item. So, like, I know. It's weird. It's it, a weird it back and forth. All right. So what's the best quote? You know, the one I always come back to is the uh, the pockets ain't, ain't empty, bruh. Pop, pop, pockets, pockets ain't empty, cuz. Oh, man. Um, I do enjoy the one we already went over, though, in Best Words of Wisdom when it's uh, I ain't going back to Barstow. I ain't going back to Barstow. <laughs> I just think we I think it's we hungry. We, we hungry. hungry like that's just that's one of those universally applied like phrases sure. you can apply that to anything if you're actually hungry if you're eager whatever yeah. like that's we hungry 
Um, all right, best family moment. This is another short one. I got mm-hmm. when Roman and Brian fight when they first meet each other again. Um, when they when they arrive at the party or like kind of tied together when they arrive at the party and they arrive at the club and they're just mm-hmm. like very clearly two brothers who are like, yes, this is so cool. We're having so much fun. Look at that. Look at that. Look at all this talent around here. Yeah. Um, and then the the heart to heart that they have with Roman before the before the last um, before the last job where yeah. Roman's talking about how he was in jail. Brian's talking about how he if he could have done anything about it, he would have. And that's why he let Dom go. So those are the three that I have. I can't imagine you have another family moment to add to this. But do you? I don't. Okay. <laughs> it's not. This is not family I'm, is not the theme of this. This film. is this is very much it, it's buddy cop or you could call it like a bear, very much a brother movie. Yes. Um, and while they're not biological brothers, they obviously grew up like brothers. And I think a lot of us probably have friends or brothers that have similar relationships to that. that sure. Paul and Tyrese or uh, Paul and Tyrese have in this film is Brian sure. and Roman. Um, and that's what I think one of the things that's most successful in this film is. But for me, I love the, the terrible fighting <laughs> in Barstow because I feel like it's every, brotherly or family fight that you have where you actually like wrestle and fight each other it's just wrestling and grabbing a hold of one another and trying to put each other in an arm bar and someone ends up getting the other stuck and the other one just gives up gives up and gets pissed (laughs) off and walks away but even once they finish and they're laying there in the dirt and brian like just throws a little bit of sand at him like not much, but it's like just the pettiness of like a brotherly fight. Uh-huh. And I love it. I I'm agree. I it. agree. That fight is very uncoordinated and it makes it authentic. It's yeah. funny. It's goofy. These two are clearly like, again, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. It kind of reminds me. This is going to be a weird cut, but it reminds me of the way the Tremor brothers fight in Smoking Aces when they just start <laughs> fighting each yes. other. Like yes. that's it's how can you get more brotherly than that? Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of family, best extended family member, a.k.a. the best supporting character, I have <laughs> I have eight here. All right. oh, wow. All right. Let's go. I have the I have Tre- I have Tej. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not including Brian and Roman. OK. And I'm not because otherwise it would definitely be Roman. And I'm not included Eva Mendes either. Okay. It All would right? definitely be Roman. It would a thousand percent yes. be Roman. Okay. But I got Tej played by Ludacris. I got uh, Suki played by Devin Aoki. I got Jimmy, who's the mechanic there for Tej, played by MC Jin. I got Orange Julius and Slapjack, who are two of the racers at the beginning of the film. And they show back up at the scatter scene, Mm -hmm. played by Amori Molasco and uh, Michael Ely, respectively. Detective Whitworth, played by our boy Mike Boone Jr. How do you not not give a little bit of love to Mark Boone Jr. there? I'm going to throw Carter Verone on there because (laughs) why not? I mean, he's the villain. He's this sociopathic drug kingpin who's got an incredible suit game for sweltering ass Miami. Absolutely. And then, and then lastly, I'm throwing on there Corpy, a.k.a. Fonzie. Not Fabio, but Fonzie specifically um, played by and this is really funny, played by a, a stuntman, more, mostly a stuntman named John Cena Tiempo. I love it. Not John Cena, <laughs> but Cena Tiempo. I love it. So that's my eight. I only have one to add. I put uh, Detective Bilkins in there. <laughs> it feels like Bilkins should be on here. He's by a now. returner, but I feel like he adds a little bit to this film. A because little bit. 
like when they're in the Barstow fight mm-hmm. and he's I'm just not like, in it. And he goes down and just eats his popcorn and watches watches them wrestle like idiots. Or when he's wearing the shirt and he, and Paul Walker is just like nice shirt, Bilkins. <laughs> and then even even at the end when you know they uh, when they're standing there talking and kind of dismissing him, then at the you know he's he's got a little com- comedic relief. There's a little to him. rapport, a little bit there more now. personality there, which in, is funny because he was the dick in the first movie yeah. and now this one it's Mark and Center it's it's freaking James Remar which is so funny to me that they I mean we should mention James Remar because they switched out Ted Levine who plays a cop on TV and yeah. has played a cop in numerous things with James Remar who's played a cop in numerous yeah. things so it's like we're just switching out one veteran actor cop for another veteran actor cop yep but uh I I accept Bilkins on there who who was your pick though I got to go with Ludacris Ludacris I think uh, I enjoy watching the random jet ski betting scene yes. at the party. He's always where running a it game. It seems like he's only taking money from like random rich white people. <laughs> yeah. So to see this like big afro, you know, black man taking all this money from uh-huh. these rich white, I, I I love it. I'm here he's for it. He's running his schemes, and I'm- and you know, I, I can't help but take the bias of the fact that like again, if I can't take Tyrese. We get Luda and Tej's character you got, uh, yeah. moving forward from a movie that, for most people, is fairly forgettable. Right. And for the most part, like he's just this side little character. It's just Ludacris playing this side character of Tej. Who, and he, who and even, thought? And even future films kind of disregard this movie because... Oh, yes. Brian somehow... We get Brian as a cop again later in the franchise. Oh, yeah. Bri- well, Brian's a cop again. And Tej somehow has turned into like a technical like wizard genius, genius yes, yes which he was let's lest us for lest we forget was just a like kind of a con man running side games in this movie we we get the he seems to own a body shop but uh jimmy i believe it is is the genius is the one that does all the work yeah and so we basically combine jimmy and tej into one character moving forward so yeah. we're not you know taking as many I, people it, they made it work they that being said work. he does get a royal flush in this film I cannot tell you. They're playing that. Po- oh my God, David! They're playing that poker game, and Jimmy. They got they got freaking Jimmy out there rapping to MC Jin. So he's obviously he's freestyling. That's his thing. That's why he's there. But he's rapping. He's rapping. He's rapping. He's like, "Pay me." Oh look, I got. And they don't never show the cards, right? And these guys are clearly improvising. They're clearly just making it up on the fly. And Lute is all like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I got you beat. Boom." And then he just says, Royal Flush, pay me my money. A Royal Flush is the is the hardest hand to get in poker. It's a 675,000 to one odd betting odd that you get it. And Luda's just like, I'm gonna make this choice. I'm gonna it's clearly a choice where I'm winning and I'm just gonna say Royal Flush. You never see the cards, but it I love is it. It is maybe the most ridiculous thing in a movie full of ridiculous things to me. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. That freaking royal flesh just <laughs> drives me crazy. Um, all right. Last two. Who is, your, who is your pick? Oh, who's my pick? It's Tej. Okay. It's got to be Tej. Right. I, right. I almost picked Carter Verone because I like his style. I do like him. I want that silk shirt and he the silk pants job. combo. It, for the issues with this movie, he does a great job of being – Having the presence of a bad guy. Like a Stone you know, Cold. Like a Stone Cold psycho. Like yeah. You believe – 
you believe that he could kill anybody at any moment if you were not watching Too Fast, Too Furious, where they're not just going to knock someone off at any moment. Yes, I, I agree 100%. Also, Cole Hauser from the Vin Diesel family uh, was uh, in Pitch Black. He was. He was also a psycho... Kind of a psycho cop, cop. guy in that, too. Yeah. But he was definitely... He was kind a, of a... Yeah, he, yeah. He, was prob- he had problems. Yes. All right. Best overall moment scene. Um, moment or scene, excuse me. Uh, we got the first race... Mm-hmm. Obviously, with the with the bridge jump and as perilous as that was, we could, none of those cars have the shocks to handle that bridge jump. Why would Tej do that? He knows that. It's he's a mechanic. Maybe maybe he'll get. Maybe he's gonna get him to bring him bring the cars into the shop. I don't know. That still is amazing to me. He's a con man. He's um, a showman. It's true. Meeting Roman. You know the the whole uh, introduction to Roman and Barstow in the. Demolition Derby and then the fight and all that stuff. The audition race, as we've talked about. The American Muscle race. The nightclub torture scene, which was, again, a fairly effective scene. You said in a review that they that this movie was... You found in a review somebody had said this movie is violent, like very violent. Yes, they said the... The extremely violent and loud sequel to the predecessor. It is loud, but it's not very violent. Maybe they only watched the dis- detective scene with the rat. I maybe, and even then, it's not that violent, but it's good. Sure, I've th- I've thought about getting yeah. a rat and yeah. putting a metal bucket over somebody and yeah, seeing what would happen. Um, the scatter, the scene where they scatter, mm-hmm. and uh, um, the Dukes of Hazard jump. Are the last are what I have. All right, which one's yours? Um, for me, man, I still <sighs> the best overall moment scene. Damn, that's rough. Um, I still think meeting Roman is still like overall like the. It's not. It's a little bit car related. It's character related. It's between that and the audition race for me. I really like that audition race in the middle of the movie. I do. Um, but I think I will go with meeting Roman. I enjoy. The way that they pulled off and like advanced this further, and some of it's getting a big, bigger budget, but the way they took different spins on, you know, you're if you're doing the same formula, it's mm-hmm. it's difficult for it not to feel like you're just doing the same things in a different location. Sure. So I enjoyed their creativity and making it more of an actual street race, having the down and back tag team race. Yep. I enjoyed like the. The way they lose the cops with the scatter uh-huh. and all that kind of we stuff. We saw different car stuff. So it, it, you know, in a way, part of it kind of felt like a heist, you know, movie there in the end. Like it felt like you were watching the heist happen and unfold. Right. You even had the build up where they were working on the car to. It is. They put a something. plan together yeah. that ultimately would have is very similar to a heist, and yeah. I know you like that shit. So I enjoyed all of that, but I I agree with you. I enjoyed the uh, the Barstow introduction to roman i also think like tyrese maintains his role as the comic relief throughout this franchise moving forward obviously except tokyo drift and i think you know everything that we love about him in the movies to come shows up in this bars (laughs) barstow Mm -hmm. you know scene with brian and some of the The loud mouth fast talker all that it fits very much so all right last one most victorious, the MVP, who comes out with all the pink slips at the end. I have three. Okay. I have Paul Walker. Okay. Obviously. I have Tyrese, obviously. And then I have Vin Diesel. Does Vin does Vin come out of this one? Because it's it did better. 
but it is the least regarded of them all. And I feel like that should like give Vin a little bit of juice. Like, oh, Vin wasn't in this one. It's not as exciting. Nobody was as into it, but it made more money. Mm -hmm. So those are the three that I have. I consider throwing in American Muscle, and I also consider throwing in the, just Miami in general. Mm. Um, they got more out of Bad Boys, though, too, that year. It's true. It's true, yes. I also almost decided to throw in um, silk long-sleeve pajama Ooh, shirts yes. because that's like an ultimate goal for me is to have the dark silk pajama top. I could the, see you just basically raiding Carter Verone's uh, closet. Entire closet. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely adopt his general <laughs> His general <laughs> wardrobe situation, very much so. But do you have any? Do you think that you think could could contend? For, for me, I don't have any new contenders. Um, I just I just got to go with Tyrese. Yeah, you think he's, he came out on winner. top here? And I, I think he brings something that we didn't have in the first movie. Mm -hmm. We didn't have really any of that comedy that as much as we, as much as we really enjoy and find the the diner scene funny like it wasn't meant to be funny right in that so it's, it's like it's a little heavier it's, it's unintentional comedy right that we get in the first film and i think for this to be one of those franchises that endures mm -hmm. like you have to have diversity and you know multiple layers to your characters and th something that makes this franchise endearing are characters like tyrese that are funny that give a different purposefully give you relief from Vin and Paul Walker right. and that, and right. even, even Letty, like you've got some intense characters throughout these movies and you need the Romans, the ludicrous is the, you know, the Tej that, you know, lighten it up a little bit and make it to where you can watch nine, 10 of these movies. So right. for me, I go with Tyrese, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's I could be dissuaded to to other ones, too. But he's he's my favorite part of this movie. Well, so. for me, it's Tyrese has found a me like, listen, Tyrese is funny in this movie. He's good, but he found a meal ticket that he's been able to ride forever. And that's oh, yeah. And that's great. And it's really funny when you see him like as angry as he was about Hobbs and Shaw. So I'll go with Tyrese as well. Uh, that is going to do it for this Franchise Refills episode. Um, just before we wrap up, remember, I mean, this is already a patron-exclusive episode, so I don't have to remind you about being patrons, but don't forget to share the podcast with your other good movie buddies. Don't forget to hit like, hit rate, hit subscribe, wherever you're listening from. Check us out on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, check us all of our regular episodes, articles, reviews, and more. Check those out on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with the continuing franchise refills. This time we'll be looking at Tokyo Drift. Adios.